Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray uh, before we go any further. Let's seek the Lord. Father, thank you for bringing us together this evening. And, O oh God, we pray that we will truly worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We will we'll, we'll think of that beautiful name, and, Lord, we'll declare our love for him. We're not here, Lord, because of, out of duty, because duty dictates that we have to do it. We're here today out of devotion. We love you, Lord. We're, we're thankful today that you have set your love in our hearts. You have brought us from darkness to light. You have set a new direction, a new dimension, a new sphere. You have begun to do something new in us when the day we were converted. And today, Lord, we just want to sing, praise, and worship our God and tell you today we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're just going to let these songs flow. The first song we're going to sing is King of Kings, Majesty. And we'll sing, stand and sing together, please. Thanks.
Water's welcome in the desert, isn't it? Heat's welcome when, in, in the, uh, when it's a deep frost. And Jesus' name is welcome in all spheres of life. What a beautiful name.
This little song we're going to sing just now was written by a 15-year-old way back a couple of centuries ago.
Just remain standing. Thank you, Lord. As we come into this house, there's a note of praise. There's a note of worship. There's a note of uh, thanksgiving for your love for us, Lord. We remind ourselves over and over again, we love you because you first loved us. Lord, we wouldn't have the desire, we wouldn't have the unction, we, haven't have the, we wouldn't even have the gumption, Lord, to love God. But we would love ourselves, we'd love the world, we'd love the things of sin. But we thank you today, Lord, that many of us, if not all of us in this gathering, have had an encounter with Jesus and you've won our hearts and you've won our affections and we fell in love with the man of Calvary. Lord, thank you today that there's love dwelling within our hearts and it's borne along by the Holy Ghost that was given to us at salvation. You give us that ability, you give us that desire, you give us that, that open way back to God to declare our love for him. And our Father, every day, every moment, every minute of our lives, Lord, you show your love for us. You prove it over and over again. And yet, Lord, how often we don't see that love and we don't thank you for that love and we don't reciprocate that love. But our God, we pray that everything we hear and everything we do and everything we sing and everything we say and our meditation, our, our, our understanding, our comprehension, everything that we do in this gathering today, Lord, will be, will be a, 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 an offering of praise, of devotion to God for all his love for us. Thank you, Lord, that we dwell in the sphere of love, not of hatred, not of bitterness, not of jealousy, not of resentment. Lord, we, but we dwell in the atmosphere of love. God is love. Thank you for the love of God. Thank you for the love that was displayed for us in Calvary. Thank you for that wonderful love. And our Father, we pray that you will grab our, heart, grab our hearts today. Lord, soften our hearts today. And show us, Lord, something of your will and your word for us in regards to this wonderful, wonderful truth that God so loved the world. We ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we're going to have Katie McLattery. Katie's going to come and read uh, today's uh, text for us. And she's reading from Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. She's reading it from uh, New Living Translation. So thank you very much, Katie. And then we're going to have the children's song right after that. Thanks, Katie. So this is Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. How happy we are for you, O king. We praise your love even more than wine. How right they are to adore you. I am dark but beautiful, O woman of Jerusalem. Dark as the tents of Kedar. Dark as the curtain of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me, for they forced me to care for their vineyards, so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. Tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like an unveiled woman among your friends and their flocks? If you don't know, O most beautiful woman, Follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tents. You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. How lovely are your cheeks, your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck, enhanced by a string of jewels. Thank you, uh, Katie, for that. We're going to have the boys and girls, please. Boys and girls, if you come up and give me a wee hand, I could uh, greatly uh, uh, help us. Yes, thanks so much. Up you come. Thank you, Tino and Tada. Thank you for um, meeting you boys at school. I'm, I think I'm back at your... No, not this week. In a couple of weeks' time. 
Uh, thank you very much. All right, we're going to say, what are we singing here anyway? Um, we're singing uh, The Wise Man Built. Have we got two verses or three verses? We've got three. Great. Three verses, all right. Sorry? Where's Daniel? Daniel needs to come up. That's the way is there a wee, is there a wee uh, uh, sort of wee gameplay between you two, is that right? No. Yes, you, you want to buy it. All right, Daniel, we're going to let you off the hook. Maybe I was going to give you 20 quid, but that's all right. <laughs> all right. The wise man, the wise man built his house upon the rock, all right? Okay, do you all know these accents then? Yes? All right, let's go. Let's tell us see do the accent. Ready? Brilliant. Thank you very much. You may go on ahead to Sunday school. Thank you, boys and girls. I appreciate that so much. Uh, it's good to have you uh, involved and good to see the teachers involved as well. Pray for them as they go out to Sunday school and as they uh, are involved in that. And they're as much a part of our church as any part. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 10 just now before we sing our communion song. I'm going to read the first 18 verses. I think they are. And they're self-explanatory. And all the way through Hebrews is speaking of the superiority of Jesus Christ over all of Judaism and all the rites and rituals and all the habits that they had been involved in. And so Hebrews is a tremendous commentary on the book of Leviticus and the, and the office of the high priest and what Christ has done. Just reading the first, I think it is, um, yeah, the first seven to 18 verses, Hebrews chapter one, and a self-explanatory. For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers have once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. 
for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God. It is written in the, of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered all for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until he, his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he was perfected, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, that's you and I, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. This is the best news you could ever read, isn't it? Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any Offering for sin. Esther and I were working down in Cork from 1994 till 1998. It was quite phenomenal what the Lord was doing down there at that time, especially out around Skibbereen, especially out around West Cork. We used to have to put, as I said before, the Christians out of the meetings to let the unsaved in. And that's quite something because there's not many orange men down in Cork. There was a family coming from a very obscure part of that uh, West Cork, far West Cork area. They were the Hayes family. Both Faulkner and Breda was their names, and I can mention their names because they're both now deceased whilst they were young people and they died quite young. Faulkner decided he was going to read the scriptures because whilst he was interested in the things of God, he decided he was going to read the scriptures for himself to try and prove that what we were saying, that salvation was by grace through faith, that we were wrong and that they were right. Now, he's not an orange man now. And, and, and so, for about a year, I would go out every couple of weeks, see how he was getting on. You got three visits done when you went out in West Cork because you had to have about three hours of a visit in each house. You had breakfast, dinner, and tea. They are amongst the most generous, loving, kind people God ever put breath in. I went one day to Faulkner, and I said, well, Faulkner, by the way, they started sending their children to our children's clubs and camps at this stage. I says, well, have you found any verses? He says, well, he says, now, uh, every time we went out, he would say, well, we're, we're getting on well. He says, I haven't found anything that contradicts you yet, but he says, there's still hope. <laughs> and, and then I went out, and he just happened to have been reading the book of Hebrews. And I'll never forget the look on his face when I came to the door, and he says, you're right, and we are wrong. 
He was after reading the passage that we have read together. And here's what he said. He said, we sacrifice Christ every time we have a mass. He said, but my Bible tells me that we are wrong. He says, and I have discovered today, he says that Christ has done it once for all. And it's done for me. Done for me. About six months later, Faulkner was found dead in the middle of his field. A young man took a heart attack. His wife died six months later. And I believe I'll see them in heaven. I never had them given testimony at a meeting. But I believe the truth of God's word had lodged in their hearts. And there was a real openness to the things of God. I'd love to have had more of an opportunity to learn the things, to teach them the things that we had learned. But I think they're having a great time learning it in glory. Isn't it wonderful that God makes his word and his ways and his, and his sacrifice so simple that someone who never was brought up with the gospel can understand it just by the Holy Spirit and reading his word. Once for all. I would love to sing that song and it's finished, but we're not going to sing it. We're going to sing another one. We'll stand and sing it together. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Let's stand.
You may be, may be seated. God, we come with our hearts. We come with our worship, our praise. Lord, we come not out of duty, but out of real devotion and love for God. Lord, we throw up our hands as a sign, a symbol of the deep gratitude that we owe towards our great God. Father, we pray that you will continue amongst us. Lord, and may nothing that we do or say from this moment on take away from your sense, the sense of your presence that you have closed in with yourself, with us today. God, you said in your word, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Lord, help us never, never, never to take these times, these moments for granted. Lord, help us to appreciate every time the Spirit of God would draw near and cause us to sing, cause us to, to rejoice. Lord, we pray for that same devotion when we come to your word. 
Lord, that we'll be drinking in your word because it's thus and thus saith the Lord. You're instructing us. You're causing us to go deeper with yourself. Lord, help us to worship you not only by listening, and, but Lord, help us to worship you by obeying. Obeying what you say to us, Lord. We don't want to always keep hearing the same thing and doing nothing about it. Lord, we want, oh God, for you to speak. That we, oh, that, Lord, whenever you do speak, we will do what God says. Lord, when we bring our tithes and money to you, Lord, we, we bring it not because we want to look good, not because we feel we have to, but Lord, we do it because we love you, Lord. Every, everything we do, Lord, we pray that everything we're doing today will be because we love you, because of your love for us. You've won the affections of our heart, and that means you've won the affections of our heart. Father, we would take a wee moment just to lift up those of our fellowship who need a touch from God. I think of Esther today, Lord, who's under tremendous pain with uh, a tendonitis and calcified uh, shoulder, Lord. We pray God will draw near to her, Lord. Lord, just as suddenly as it came upon her on Wednesday night, Lord, we would ask in Jesus' name that you would deal with it now and may she know comfort. Lord, we pray for William McKendry, Lord, who's in desperately in need of God at this time to bring him out of his hospital bed and sickness. I think, Lord, of Raymond McAleese, Lord, who needs God to draw near. And bring him, Lord, savingly to yourself, we pray. And God, every person that's on our hearts and minds today, we ask, Lord, that you will have your way amongst us. Lord, as we bring our offering and tithe to you, Lord, we pray, it will mean something in eternity, for Christ's sake. Amen. Going to get you in seated. Be seated, please. And then we're going to sing, Speak, O Lord, for the first part. Will be an offering and tithe for the Lord's work. Thank you.
Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thankful to Katie for reading out from uh, reading the passage that we're going to look at today. We're, we're, we're starting a wee series. Uh, this day last week, I wasn't even thinking of starting this series. In fact, this day on Wednesday, on this time on Wednesday, I wasn't even thinking. In fact, it wasn't until yesterday morning uh, the Lord sort of dropped this, kind of floating over the top of my mind, and then he just sort of planted it in my heart. Uh, but I don't think we're half enough, half excited enough about Jesus. That's what I, that's what I feel. I feel we, we, we see life and it's too mundane and there's too many things going on and too many, uh, too many uh, obstacles in our way of really rejoicing in him. And so I would really love us to start to get excited about Jesus. And where best can you get excited about than about excited about his love for us? That's, that's a great starting place. Um, this passage here, or sorry, this book, the book of Solomon, um, uh, we will try and explain some things, but I don't want to take too much time uh, explaining the background or the context, other than to say there are two lovers in it. There's, a, there's the, the Shumanite woman and there's the shepherd boy. Don't confuse him with King Solomon now. There's the shepherd boy and there's, King, and there's the Shunammite woman. And every time you see her, she's excited. Like some of you young lassies who fell in love recently. Or some of you boys that forget almost. You remember the day you fell in love and your heart was all a flutter and all you could think about was him or her and you were running around and you're like a headless chicken and you didn't know where you're coming or going. Well, every time you, you read, there's four meetings that this young Shumanite woman has with her shepherd boy. And every time she meets him, she's excited. She's excited because she's in love with him. And, and, and he obviously loves her. And, and so I thought to myself, that would be a good title, Excited About Jesus. Now, there are two ways to interpret this, 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 uh, this book. You can interpret it literally as being a manual for a husband and a wife. And I have to say, there are some very good tips in this for how a husband ought to treat a wife. And that love relationship. I was listening to, I think it was, um, I, I, I can't remember who it was, uh, David Pawson yesterday, and he was saying that you can look at this book from a Greek, a, a, a person who's been affected by the Greek the, the, uh, logic and thinking, and that would mean you get greatly embarrassed in some of the verses that you'll read from it. But he said the people that read this, the person that read, that read this was not influenced by Greek thinking. The person that wrote this was influenced by Hebrew thinking. And the marriage relationship and, and everything that contained within the marriage relationship was healthy and holy. Everything. Whether it was sex, whether it was relationship, everything in this relationship was holy and should never be looked at from an embarrassed point of view. It's the world that has dirtied the whole idea of sex within marriage. And, within, with, uh, and, and by the way, it can only be within a couple. Now, I'm not going down that road because I think half of you would be all embarrassed. Uh, and you can go to your marriage counselor if you want all that. <laughs> I like what John Phillips, and he's, uh, he has greatly influenced me on in this. He says that this is an allegory. It's, it, it's a, a picture of Christ and the church. And we're going to see that we, we may not get very far, but we'll try our very best to set the scene and the tone as to why she's excited. Because I really want you to get as excited as I am about Jesus. Now, I don't always be on the mountaintop. And I don't always have these sermons just come floating in and then lodge down here. Because that makes it an awful lot easier. Solomon has written over a thousand songs. 
And as we read, as, as Katie read from the very beginning, this is the finest. This is the best. Because it's picturing the love relationship between Christ and his bride. Christ and his bride. There are four main characters. Let's set the context a little bit for you. So to whet your appetite for whenever you come back next Sunday. The Shuvanite woman, she comes from near Gilead. Her beloved is a shepherd boy, not the king. He has won her heart. She's fallen head over heels in love with him, just like some of you in the church. King Solomon, known for his attraction to beautiful women, but not the integrity and temperance to go with it. He's rather unfaithful and is always seeking for someone else to bring into his harem. I mean, after all, the crater had, was it, was it 700 wives and 300 concubines? That means a thousand mothers-in-law. I have to say, I loved my mother-in-law, and better still, she loved me. And so whenever Esther was cross with me, she sorted Esther out for me. <laughs> and then there's the daughters of Jerusalem. They're the worldlings. They have been affected by Solomon. They haven't fallen in love with the shepherd. Solomon has worked his very best to keep them under his lure and under his glare. The story actually begins, and there are some hints in the first number of verses, the story begins abruptly. It, it doesn't really tell us of the actual encounter, but, and there are several voices, there are several people through these different verses who are speaking at several different times, but it's her that's speaking at the beginning. Now, she doesn't essentially, immediately talk about her, the moment that she fell in love with her shepherd boy. By the way, we know it wasn't Solomon she was talking about because Solomon was never a shepherd. It doesn't actually tell us, but there are some little signs, some little sayings, like, your love is greater than wine. You gave me new ointment that healed my, my, my spirit. She also demeans herself when she compares herself with the various individuals that she was amongst. And as she watched and she looked at her, Solomon's her, harem, and she says, I'm, I'm ruddy, I'm not kept like them. In other words, she had a, a sense of putting herself down. She wasn't glamorous, she didn't try to, she didn't doll herself up with glamour and glitz to try and affect, uh, to attract King Solomon. No, she was, she was different. She was different. But suddenly, she could have been singing this song, I come to the garden alone, where the Jew uh, is, what is the rest of it? Help me. Is still on the roses. She was going for a meeting with her shepherd boy, her lover, or as it said here, the beloved. And Solomon catches a glimpse of her and all of a sudden, she finds herself and she's taken within Solomon's harem. Now, can you imagine what she feels like? Taken and having to dwell within the midst of a... a by the way, Jesus never snatched anyone. You decide, you choose for him. But Solomon ordered that she be taken to his harem. Now, how is she going to survive? 
How's she going to continue to stand in, in, in amongst of all this influence of people that are, have got godless ideas and godless attitudes and who offer themselves to Solomon at his whim? How's she going to stand? Well, she speaks much about him when she's in the situation. She comforts herself by thinking of the many times he had whispered into her ear, stroked her hair, and embraced her. She comforts herself herself by thinking of all that he has done for her, all that he's been to her, all that he means to her. She comforts herself in thinking of the wonder of his love. Even though she was ruddy, even though she wasn't the most beautiful thing that ever God put breath in, she was still loved by this little shepherd boy because he saw something in his heart. He saw a potential that she could become under the influence of the proper leader, the shepherd of the sheep. So what is God saying to us here? The Shulamite, the believer, is the betrothed, the church. Her beloved is the saviour, the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Solomon's the tempter, seeking to enchant anyone who will listen to his voice and take them away. The daughters of Jerusalem are worldlings. Brothers and sisters, we are not in heaven yet. We're still in Solomon's harem. The worldlings seek to influence us. They seek to discourage us. And we know that we've also got an enemy called Satan. And we know that he roams around the earth seeking whom he may devour. Many's the soul. Maybe if they've got this teaching from the book of Solomon, may not find themselves in the, in the, in the scrap heap of sin. Maybe it might alert some young folk. I'm so thrilled to see so many young folk. And I'm going to say it again. I am greatly impressed with the young folk in this church. I really, really mean that. They have a hunger and a desire for God that I haven't seen in maybe two decades. And that speaks something for the life of this church. We want to encourage that, of course, don't we? we? We want to inspire that. We want to feed that because... We don't take that for granted. I don't take it for granted. I don't know what you do. And that's also a testimony to the parents, might I add. That's not to say that those of us who haven't got our children and they're not following the Lord, that's not to say you feel. It's just to say they have made their decisions. Or as we would often say, they've made their bed, now let them lie in it. Well, we, we're not content to let them lie in it. We want to storm the gates of heaven, don't we? By the way, we want to storm the gates of hell for our young people, don't we? Because they, I'm telling you, young folk, hell will be on your heels. And it might seem innocent, and it might seem insignificant, and it might seem unimportant. But I want to tell you, the enemy's always looking away in to lure you away. Always. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, religion, that is relationship, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This song is about a deep love between the shepherd and his bride. If you were asked, if you were asked to explain God's love, how would you do it? 
But if I were to ask you for a verse, if I were to ask you for a verse that would, that would explain, explain and express God's love, I think we're still in kindergarten when it comes to that, aren't we? We would say, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Wouldn't we? Or, or maybe you might even sort of travel into Romans chapter 5. Here in his love. But if we were to ask you to explain it, to, 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 to describe it, if we were to ask you to, to determine it, to, to measure it, to, if we were to ask you to somehow express the, the experiences of love that you have for God, maybe you would be curtailed in your experiences. This book will help you plumb the depths of the intimacy with your Savior, with your God, that you would have never thought possible. So let's throw out the old Greek uh, uh, thinking, and let's pull in a wee bit of Hebrew thinking as we explore this wonderful book that I have probably read all of the Bible 40 times. But I've never been as impacted by the Song of Solomon as much as I have sitting yesterday in my study. So I believe God has a word for us in these coming days. So let's look at these first two verses, and I want you to notice the fervor that he'd shown her. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm certainly learning that because I'm here for four or five nights a week and, uh, and, and Esther's here three, three nights a week and I know I miss her. I'm lost without her. Who's going to cook my dinner? <laughs> well, here's a case where I just, don't you dare tell her I said that. <laughs> she fed her love and kept her love alive by thinking about him and what he had done for her. What she enjoyed, notice she's not talking about a dictator or a tyrant. She's not talking about someone that she's fearful of. I remember my upbringing, I'll tell you, any time my father said he was coming home from England, we all cowered and terrified. But this, she hasn't those thoughts. She thinks of the wonderful love that he had expressed towards her. Verse 3, it was truly evident. He mentions ointment. She mentions ointment. Ointment tells me that it implies the necessity of healing. She needed healing. There was a healing of her soul. There was something of the healing virtues applied. And that makes sense then to Isaiah where he says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. What's healed? Our souls. Our souls are healed. The soul is the seat of your emotion, your affection, your will, your imagination, your habits, your desires, your hungers and your thirst. Your soul is the, is the, is the, is the real you. It's, it's, it's what causes you to decide the things you decide, to choose the things you choose, to, to be the person that you are. There's the exterior and then there's the soul that is you. 
And you can either live one of two ways. You can live as you were born, and as the Word of God says, you're fathered by the devil, not in the sense to which you are conceived, and not in the sense to which you are created, but you're of your father, the devil. And what was Jesus really saying? Jesus was saying that, that, that um, the, the, there are things, the, the, the attitude, the actions, the, the aptitudes of our lives are, are influenced by the fall. And, and as we often say, Jesus, the, the enemy had injected the venom of sin into us, and we live the way we the way we were conceived that was healed there's no way that she could have loved the shepherd had she not known the ointment had her soul not she couldn't have loved him the way the bible calls us to she couldn't have seen the glory i have seen the face of jesus she couldn't have desired him because she hadn't known the ointment She said, your love is greater than wine. Such love. Remember the song. We'll be trying to sing it. I don't think we will. He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restoreth my soul. He had me bleeding and dying on the Jericho road, and he poured in the oil and the wine. You think about the day you could see it. You think about that day. Lost and lonely, selfish and self-centered, far away from the tender shepherd's care, a real pawn of the enemy, satisfying and gratifying the lust of the flesh, because worldlings see love as lust when the children of God see love as love. Many of you may not put a term, you may put this term on, I was born again, I was saved, I was redeemed. Those are good terms. But our soul being the seat of our affections, our emotions was much more than just been saved. We've been healed emotionally her imagination the things we think about the things we long for oh she said what an effect that he had on me she would have said the same things the psalmist said the Lord is my strength is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation remember this Shulamite woman comes from Gilead and we know another song don't we there is a balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. Folks, Christ is the balm for those affected, infected emotions you have. Have you not seen the increase in, in all these kind of, I, I call them... Uh, Things that I, I never grew up like with, oh, attention deficit. Now, I'm not saying that they're not real. Don't, please don't, please don't even think that. But all the various uh, kind of emotional problems that we seem to have growing up today. Where did they come from? There's healing. There's healing in the name of Christ. There's a balm in Gilead, there's anointment for our hearts, and there's a healer for our hearts. It was truly evident. Oh, she says, I got that ointment. 
And I'm now thinking straight. I'm now loving straight. I'm not in love with any, I'm not in love with love anymore. I'm in love with him. Here's the next thing. It was tenderly expressed. She says it again, it's sweeter than wine. Get the weight of what's been said here. Beloved, he kissed me with the kisses. We, we think, I don't know, when's the last time you kissed your wife? Did anybody kiss? Hands up those of you who kissed your wife this morning. Yeah. There's a little bit, about 75 blagger. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I kissed my wife. And the next time you see her, you can ask her. Isn't it interesting that somehow romance dies when you get married? Huh? You see the way he kissed me with the kisses of his lips. He just smothered me in kisses. Smothered me. Some of you might say you were slabbered with kisses. (laughs) But don't miss what's being said here. Don't miss what's being said. He kisses us with his grace. Every day you get up, every moment of your life, every step of your walk, you're kissed with his grace. In times when you're down, times when you awake, times when you retire to bed with troubles on your mind, he kisses you when you're lonely, when you're tired, frustrated, and afraid. He kisses you with, your, with his grace every step of your life. My friend, you did not get here on your own volition or strength. You got here because of the amazing grace of God. And don't you ever think or pat yourself on the back and think, I've made it theologically, I've made it doctrinally, I've made it socially, I've made it politically, I've made it economically, I've made it in in the social ladder, I've made it educationally. My dear friend, you would get nowhere if it weren't for the grace of God. The sun, it says, shines down on the righteous and the unrighteous. And my dear friend, the unrighteous don't see the grace of God. Because if God's so designed and so desired, you'd be cut off right away. But we know something about the common grace of God upon the whole world. And that's what makes it amazing. Paul, when he was struggling and fighting with a disease, and I, don't, I tend to think that Paul, Paul's physical problem was his eyesight. And I'll tell you why I've arrived at that. You don't have to agree with that, by the way. But if you read through the book of Galatians, Paul is comparing a time when, whenever the soul of the Galatian church so loved him. And my friends, you keep loving on us, all right? Don't you fall out with me, or I'll fall out with you. Because Paul went to Galatia, to the church in Galatia, and, and, and he said, you so loved me, you so cared for me, that you would have given me your very eyes if you knew it would have helped me. That tells me that Paul's problem was probably his eyesight. And he says, after that, and and a short time later after that, he says, are you become my enemy because I tell you the truth? Well, anyway, Paul wasn't for keeping on to this sickness. And he says, he went to the Lord. He sought the Lord three times. And God's answer was, my, let me hear it. What is it? 
My grace is sufficient for thee. My dear friend, the greatest miracle is not someone getting healed. The greatest miracle is God giving you the grace to deal with your sickness. To deal with your wayward child instead of losing the bap, instead of, instead of flat, and, and telling God, I'm not following. God, you didn't answer prayer for me, so I'm going to do my own thing. And I remember whenever we were down in Bandon, pray for me because I'm preaching down in the, uh, the Faith Mission Convention at the beginning of, in the beginning of June. It's only a three-day thing, so it won't be very, very long. So make sure you behave yourselves. Uh, 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 but, but there was a man called Ivan Thompson. And you remember him? Boy, he had a tongue on him like a cow. And, uh, but he would tear you in strips. You think Sammy Workman was bad. You think W.P. Nicholson was bad. I bet he could have you cowering in the corner. The next thing then he'd be laughing your head off. Well, Ivan Thompson came down and he preached in Bandon Baptist Church. It was called uh, Westside. I, I used to call it Westside. Westside Baptist Church. And, and, and he said, uh, somebody asked him, I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to die. But, uh, uh, Ivan Thompson says, whenever you need grace today, God will give you. Whenever you're dying, he'll give you the grace today. And he will. He'll give you grace. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's sufficient for itself. I asked you this morning, did you realize that you were kissed this morning? Have you ever been kissed by the grace of God? Some of you get embarrassed when I ask that question. I'm not a bit embarrassed, by the way. Did you kiss your husband or your wife when he had fell out with you? Did you kiss them when you weren't listening to them? Did they kiss you whenever you dissed your children? Do you kiss your children when they're actively and openly disobedient? Did you kiss your children when they rebelled against your word? You see, that's the grace he shows us. That even though we are rebellious at times, disobedient at times, selfish at times, he kisses us with his grace. I have another wee sermon brewing. It's to do with the prodigal son. I'm amazed. The prodigal son said, and by the way, it's not about the prodigal son, it's all about the prodigal's father. You know that, don't you? The father give him what he asked for, even though everything he asked for was rebelling against the father. Listen, and here's the, here's the punch point. Even the breath and the power and strength to pack his bags and leave. That's grace. Isn't it? That's grace. Peter speaking, you have tasted that the Lord is good and gracious. Ought we not consider how loving and gracious he is as we live in the harm of the world? Whenever we're tempted and tested to give in to the old lure of the devil, when in our minds and our thoughts we are conflicting, ready to throw in the towel, 
ought we not to think of the wonderful grace of God? And even if you've never been kissed by a human being, you're kissed every moment of every day. How I love him. How I love him. It was tenderly expressed. I wonder what got into King Solomon's head. What came into his heart? The man that prayed only for wisdom and God gave him everything else. The man, the man that when he dedicated the temple, the power of God fell on it. And we have that greatest of verses in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. What happened to you, Solomon? What happened to you? Where did it go wrong? Why are you more of a tempter and a lure? Why, why, why are you not following the footsteps of your father, David? Something got in. He was more taken up with the, his love, sorry, his lust for women than he was for his love for the Lord. That's where it went wrong. Oh, I could tell you about the intimacy of a kiss from a Hebrew's perspective. And that's why Paul, when he's speaking, he says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Boy, if I kissed every one of you on the way in today, I'd be full of all sorts of infections. <laughs> there was a, a couple just back from Brazil came to our house yesterday evening. Um, and and, and uh, uh, we, we hugged him and her because we are huggy people, as you know. Uh, and, and, and she says, that's the first time I've been hugged since I came home. You Northern Irish people, you're as cold as ice. I'll, I'll finish with this, although we're only getting into it. It was tremendously exciting, his love for her. I see people and they're so bored, and I have to go to church. And then there's intermittent attenders. You know who they are? Now and again. When the, motion, when the, when the, when the, when the emotion moves them or when, whenever, but uh, no, I'll stay at home. I'll, I'll, I will say, I'll go to, um, I'll go to cathedral, uh, bed, what's it, cathedral, bedside cathedral and listen to Pastor Nod. Do you want to know? Do you, do you want to know? Do you want to know when I fell out? Do you want to know when I fell out with live streaming? Well, I mean, you're going to hear it anyway. It was the it was the second lockdown, and and, and I know that we hadn't we we had got back into church, but there were some people missing. Listen, by the way, don't let fear dictate your faith. There are still some people terrified over COVID. And I see individuals in their car, on their own, wearing masks. Who's going to infect them with what? 
And I see critters that need to be able to fresh air. This is true. Listen, my dear friend, the spirit of fear has hit the church. As a, that's what, my, the devil was very deceptive in what he was doing and allowing to happen, my dear friend, over, over COVID. And, and, and all the messaging that we got was completely opposed to the grace of God. Getting back to this wee woman. I won't mention her name. Anyway, she, she, I, I called to see her. She hadn't go back to church. Oh, she says, I think live streaming is just the best thing going. I says, why? She says, I come down at 10 minutes to church starting with my hair still in my rollers and I have my dressing going, dressing going on. I have the kettle boiled and we cup of coffee on, in, in my hand and I switch you on. And I said to myself, if you can switch me on, you can switch me off just as quickly. And I fell out with live streaming from that moment on. My dear friend, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is. And my dear friend, there's a dynamic in the people of God. There's a dynamic in the gathering of the people of God. You feed me, I feed you. If you come in depressed, I'll end up depressed. But if we rejoice in the Lord and if we, if we rejoice in his goodness to us and his love for us, we can help each other over a hump of a hill, can't we? I don't know what happened, Solomon, but it was, his love was better than wine. Wine intoxicates. It mars judgment, compromises integrity, inflames the desires, excites the whole being, and a wee hot whiskey would warm the fires of the inner man. If I ever catch you on it. Anyway... Here's what happens. It leads to folly. It makes smart men stupid, wise men silly, strong men weak, and timid men reckless. But not so the love of the Lord Jesus. Not so the love of the Lord Jesus. This young woman didn't need the world's counterfeits and substitutes. She got the real thing. And it excited her heart. Life was exciting. Love was real and meaningful. It gave her motivation, purpose, desire. It helped her to be the person that she was meant to be. She could have sung that song. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. When I am down, you lift me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Here's what Annie B. Warner said about that wonderful hymn, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. She says, think of that, me. Is this not better than wine? To think that I would have the love of the Son of God. Or to put it in Paul's language, the chief of sinners, the, the murderer of, of, of saints, the persecutor of the church, the person who was responsible, or at least in part, for the first Christian martyr, that he would love me. 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 I've said this before. 
The difference between Protestantism and Catholicism is this. Protestants think that they deserve anything and everything that's good from God. And Catholics think they don't deserve anything. That's a very small understanding from having conversed with folks. I hope there's not one here today think that you deserve to be sitting where you are. And I hope there's not one person here thinks you deserve to be in the position that you are in Christ. It's because he has lavishly, extravagantly, and wonderfully accepted you into the fold in the family of God. Why not think about that? Why not meditate upon it when the next time you've been lured away? I just noticed after one o'clock, I need to stop. We'll finish this next Sunday, is that all right? Time just beats me. And then some people say, we'll sing less songs, but then would we have the atmosphere if we didn't sing? Come earlier, that's it. <laughs> uh, can, can I ask you, by the word, that word, that verse, verse 2, just this last week thought, that word for, in verse 2 for your, your love is the Hebrew word dode, D-O-D-A-D-E. It's boiling. Boiling. This is why it's important to have a quiet time. This is why it's important not just to read through the scriptures, but actually delve into it and allow the Holy Spirit to communicate his truth to your heart. Are you excited about him today? Let's pray together and then we're going to sing our closing song. God in heaven, thank you for just your truth. These pictures we find in your word regarding your love for us. We pray you grant unto us, Lord, hearts that meditate daily upon your wonderful love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing that song. Um, if, if you have to leave, by the way, please go ahead. Don't, be, don't worry about it. But we're just going to sing two verses of, because I know I've gone on a wee bit too long. The love of God is greater far. First and the third verse. Thank you. Let's all stand.
Heavenly Father, part us in your fear with your blessing. Break us to our homes in safety. Help us to rejoice in your wonderful love to be excited about Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Thank you so much. God bless.